Welcome to episode 64 of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew, and I'm here with my co-host, Josh Refine. What's good, brother? Yeah, I'm doing great, Phil. Great to be back with uh, the show this week. And you know, we had a lot of action in Formula One, particularly NASCAR, a little bit processional, but uh, some unexpected or expected winners over there. So uh, glad to be able to talk about it with you here this week. Yep, absolutely. We'll talk about the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, which saw Sergio Checo Perez get his second career Formula One win, first for Red Bull, uh, picking up the pieces after Max Verstappen's left rear tire exploded when he was going to go and win and increase his championship lead. Uh, and that was a trend along with other things that went on, Lewis Hamilton uh, being in a position to uh, win the race possibly and then throwing it away on the restart. We'll get into all the things that happened, the weird podium that they had there. Sebastian Vettel coming back from the dead all of a sudden the last two races. Uh, Pierre Gasly getting a top, uh, getting a podium finish, beating Charlie Claire. Uh, we'll talk about all that. We'll get into the Cup Series race at Snoroma, which saw Hard R get a second consecutive dominating victory. Is he the favorite now for the Cup Series championship with 10 races to go in the regular season? Uh, can this team that used to be Jimmy Johnson's 48 team close the deal since they haven't been, a lot of these guys have not been in that spot before? Uh, it's something that we will see. Clyde and uh, Martin Truex Jr. were the two closest combatants for Larson. Uh, they didn't really have the speed. Uh, but they are up there seemingly every week along with the 11 and the 18. So who stands out? Who are we going to look at as favorites to make the final four come Phoenix in November? And we'll get in the Xfinity race, which saw uh, AJ Allmendinger win that deal, but it was Sindrick at home. It's one of his home racetracks, leading the most laps, but he wasn't able to get the win. Gibbs getting a second-place finish in a pretty interesting top 10. The roundup will go over uh, MotoGP and Moto2 at Catalonia, F2 at Baku. There will be different series going this this week. Imsen Indy Lights at Detroit, World Superbike at Misano. The World Endurance Championship will be racing at the Algarve. Uh, in Portugal, where the Portuguese Grand Prix has taken place twice in the last few months, and British Touring Cars at Snetterton. We'll also uh, give you previews of the SRX series that'll be on CBS uh, for the next six weeks on Saturday with some of the best drivers from 2005. And uh, we'll get into the IndyCar doubleheader at Detroit, which uh, saw series points leader Alex Pillow already being sent back six places for race one to engine change at Indy. So it'll be interesting. Who do we look at as favorites, sleepers? And we'll review the rookies since uh, Roman Grosjean has been in the news uh, in the last couple of days in regards to making his oval debut and possibly running Indy next year. A certain number 48 probably is also in line to do that. And then Scotty McLaughlin, of course, who won uh, Rookie of the Year at Indy and uh, is running for the full season championship. Texas will have Xfinity and Trucks on Saturday. And then the All-Star, the farcical All-Star race, 
on Sunday, an all-star open. We'll get into that and preview those races. Who do we look at to advance? Who do we think is going to win in the big race, which they say $1 million. It doesn't really matter $1 million anymore, at least those guys. And then we will close the show for this week. So Sergio Perez is the is the benefactor of what happened with on the the restart which came because max verstappen was leading had the race won and exploded a left rear tire this was the second instance since lance stroll had the same issue earlier in the race only they were trying to do a one-stop strategy virtually everybody in the field in due in part to that exploding tires due to high load at least on the left rear corner uh, cost Max Verstappen a lot of points, would have gained even more ground on Lewis Hamilton. But in turn, Lewis Hamilton handed it right back to him because whatever, I think magic, whatever the magic school bus or whatever the hell they were calling it on uh, on button that he didn't hit, uh, cost uh, him with the brakes. They got the brakes too hot, then he didn't have enough to make the first corner on the restart which gave Sergio Perez, Sebastian Vettel, and Pierre Gasly the opportunity to finish on the podium, lost Mercedes a lot of points because Valtteri Bottas was not non-existent. Uh, I mean, it was a weird, unusual uh, race, not your usual. There's there's really, I, I mean, it's hard to really describe it, what what happened on on Sunday. I mean, it was... I mean, they did a green-white checker, so people were were kind of certain segments of the fan base are not happy about the green-white checkered aspect with the full restart with two to go. But the I think the storylines are the top two guys in points. Both had stuff happen to them. The tire exploding, which is something that doesn't happen with Pirelli. It's something we're used to with bad year. Um, and then the unusual podium that we had on Sunday, which had Checo get his second career win. Uh, what did you take away from Sunday's events and just the events over the entire weekend at Baku? It was a very interesting and very wild weekend at Baku. Uh, this was a race that you know we both thought Lewis Hamilton would be able to take advantage of uh, the opportunity to I guess win the race, not certainly not like winning if he had not had the brake issue happen to him, but you know, we thought, Oh, this would be a chance for him to bounce back and recover after the poor Monaco. And it wasn't that at all. Uh, I mean, he initially did take the lead after the first lap uh, and you know, he was able to use the slipstream and pass uh, Leclerc after lap one. And he led a handful of laps, uh, but then didn't have the lead until the, uh, the very end and then had that braking issue. And then of course, most of the race was dominated by Red Bull with, uh, Max for, for stopping and Sergio Perez being, uh, one and two for most of the race. And, you know, the big story is, uh, Max has a tire failure and, then uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, fails to take advantage of uh, of that, and uh, he has a uh, activating a switch, I guess, that uh, basically canceled out his rear brakes. He only had front brakes on the restart and overshot the corner. So both of them kind of had issues that canceled each other out, and now they go into the next race uh, basically uh, on equal footing 
uh, from where they left off uh, at Monaco. And now uh, Lewis, I guess this was a missed opportunity for him to uh, get back at uh, Max and for Max a missed opportunity to build up his uh, championship lead. Um, and then, of course, the uh, the podium being unusual. I mean, uh, Perez was kind of up there anyways. So that part of him winning is uh, not really unusual, but um, just kind of out of circumstance uh, since uh, what happened to Hamilton there. And then, of course, uh, uh, Vettel was kind of up there in the middle of the race. Um, he was, you know, kind of like in uh, fourth or fifth place uh, throughout the race. And then he was able to get second at the end and then um uh, Gasly was able to uh, fend off Leclerc for third place. So this is probably the first race this year that we've had that uh, it was a unusual race. I think last year at uh, uh, at the Italian GP, Monza, that yeah. was a yeah, that was a very uh, wild race as well. And this one is kind of like that in the same way. We have a wacky podium, uh, drivers making mistakes, uh, championship drivers making mistakes, like what happened to Hamilton there last year as well. So this was kind of like that, kind of reminded me of that. Um, then, you know, of course, the the tire failures, you know, we saw it happen with Max. We saw it happen with Lance Stroll. Actually, two times he crashed, uh, Stroll did, and he crashed in uh, practice and uh, over the weekend as well. So the tire failures, I mean, it, you know, when, when you have a hard compound and you go with a, a long run like that, uh, you know, 30 laps or so at a high speed track like Baku uh, is certainly uh, an issue, can be an issue with uh, safety, uh, with the durability of the tires. So that'll be uh, something I guess that Pirelli is going to have to look into. Uh, we don't know yet uh, what they determined the cause of the issue to be, but that'll be something to look for, especially on the, the high speed tracks like Monza for formula one. So I think that's going to be, uh, probably a, a minor subplot, I guess, to, uh, pay attention to. And then, you know, of course the, the restart there at the end, uh, is very NASCAR. Like what you said, it was a, basically a, a green, white checkered, like what we call here in America. Um, and, uh, you don't really see that in formula one, a two lap sprint to the finish. Um, so that in of itself was exciting and the way it ended up happening with Lewis missing the corner and then, uh, everybody else trying to take advantage of that, uh, was very exciting as well. Yeah, it was, if you are a Lewis person like me, uh, giving away 25 points and giving away the opportunity to take the championship lead back, going to Paul Ricard uh, is a definite missed opportunity. The way that Mercedes has been the last two races, it's definitely not ideal either. Uh, fact of the matter is going to Ricard next week will we'll kind of see where the status quo truly is, uh, whether Red Bull can continue the momentum they have at the moment and stay up front, or will Mercedes come back? Will Valtteri Bottas uh, come back from the wilderness? Uh, will Lewis Hamilton get back to his qualifying form, et cetera, et cetera. At the same time, as you brought up, Josh, with the tires, Ricard has some long straightaways, uh, newer pavement. Curious to see how that might be an issue. After that, you have the Austrian Grand Prix. It's one of the shorter tracks that they go to on the circuit. They'll run different compounds at uh, Austria. But there is a lot of high G-loads there in some of the corners. So that in its own right, they'll have two races there. So it would be kind of a stress, uh, stressful 
deal on the tires depending on how Pirelli responds. And it's it's an unfortunate instance. I mean, people want to rag on them. People are like, oh, you know, like they rag it being a tire. I forget which guy that's uh, in media, whichever media guy there is out here, uh, Dezino or something, I think, went and said it's this is why it's thankless to be a PR person for tire manufacturer. Because the only times you care about the tire manufacturer is when it goes bad. It's not when it goes well. And they've people have been ragging on Pirelli for years. I've generally been all right with Pirelli's product because they actually listen to the troll and now to Liberty to what they want. Uh, they aren't giving the, uh, Pirelli the opportunity to test on current cars generally. So that doesn't help. Uh, if they would do that, at least there might be a little bit less of an issue of this happening. The fact is, we I can't remember tire delamination and just like explosions in Formula One for a long time in regards to tires. I mean, back in the day, you'd have the gas, you'd have ga- the fires with fuel or whatever. You'd have other kinds of things like people blowing up engines, but not tires. So, uh, you know, everyone thinks about like indianapolis when the the debacle at indianapolis with michelin but that's one of the last times if not the last time i can really remember where tires were that big of an issue like that and it was in a high load you know high g corner which is indy oval turn one and it was the last corner of the formula one track hence now they got they put a mickey mouse chicane uh and section to end the road course now um, and I would assume they would run that if they were to go and run Indianapolis again for another U.S. Grand Prix, which is in which there are rumors because they're trying to figure out a way to replace. Uh, they got Turkey's out, Canada's out. They've replaced one with this, a second race in Austria, but now they're missing one race. It's kind of the same deal with IndyCar. They're trying to figure out how to replace their races, so it's a possibility. Uh, Vettel getting a second place finish. It was like old school Sebastian Vettel. He was great strategy, not something that that team is known for. But the fact of the matter is over the last two races, they have used good strategy to put themselves in a position to compete. And that's that's a positive sign for them. Do I believe that it's something that's going to last across the entire season? It hasn't until the last two weeks it hadn't or the last two races it hadn't. So I have a hard time believing it's going to continue once they go back to more regular circuits because their car is at a deficit. But you have to give that team and you have to give Vettel, who's basically been in hibernation for a couple of years, credit. Uh, both of the guys to their teammates ended up having big accidents and then they finished their teammates finished one and two. Gasly starting fourth, finishing third. Great performance by him. You wonder where he's going to be, whether it's going to be in a in the Alpine or whether he's going to stay at AlphaTauri. Uh, he's somebody who's in demand. And speaking of that, I mean, Lando Norris finished. So Perez, Vettel, Gasly, Leclerc from pole finished fourth. Lando Norris finished fifth. So another top five finish for Lando. Fernando Alonso used the green-white checkered to go from 10th to 6th. Sonoda gets a 7th place finish. So I think that ends up being his best career finish so far for Yuki Sonoda. 
Carlos Sainz finished eighth after starting fifth. Daniel Ricardo, 13th to ninth. Kimi Raikkonen gets his first points for of the year for Alfa Romeo with his teammate behind him. Valtteri Botas was 12th. Then the Putin Haases with Mick Schumacher and and uh, Egghead, who tried to run Mick off the road, I think. And then um, Hamilton, who actually finished ahead of somebody. I didn't think he thought he finished dead last, but he actually finished ahead yeah, of Latifi. Latifi, who had some sort of problem there, I think, and that restart. And then you had uh, George Russell, who had a gearbox issue. So, of course, George Russell can't buy any luck, but he might be in a Mercedes soon enough. And then you have Verstappen, Stroll, and Esteban Ocon, who had a turbo issue three laps into the Grand Prix. In regards to the uh, point standings, Max Verstappen still leads the points at 105 with Lewis Hamilton four points behind just as they entered uh, Monaco or just after or the way they entered Baku and lead lap. Yeah, so then two, so three wins for Hamilton, two for Verstappen, five podiums for Verstappen versus four for Lewis Hamilton, two poles for Hamilton versus one for Verstappen. They have led 300, what is it, 335 laps so far this year. So they are the dominant figures outside of that. The rest of the field has led like less than 50. So we know where the championship is going to lie. Sergio Perez getting that victory has now leapfrogged him to third in the championship, three points at Orlando Norris. Then there's a 10-point gap between Leclerc, Botas, and Sainz for fifth. And then another uh, pod between Gasly, Vettel, Ricardo, uh, which is a five-point gap there. For those are the top 10 drivers. Then you have Alonso and Ocon for Alpine, Stroll, Sonoda, who got his best finish there, and then the two Alpha Slaubers, and then the four cars that haven't scored a point based on order best finish, Russell, is in the next position along with Schumacher, Latifi, and Egghead. Constructor standings have, uh, of course, the Red Bull up front with 174 points. So they have a 26-point lead on Mercedes after another non-points score. So they that's... They gave up, Mercedes gave up 30 points at Monaco and then didn't even score a point at, uh, at Baku. So it's been a brutal couple of races for them. In the battle for third in the Constructors' Championship, Ferrari leads by two points over McLaren. Fifth in the Constructors is a little more competitive now with AlphaTauri, two points ahead of Aston Martin. And then Alpine is kind of on their own island along with Alfa Romeo, who has points, versus the Putin Haas team and Williams. We'll go from the Formula One uh, race to Snoroma, uh, Hard R, uh, Young Money, Kyle Larson got another win, and uh, 
first road course win for him. So credit to that for a guy who qualifies well at Sonoroma but wasn't able to finish races. Now he's able to finish races seemingly the last couple of weeks. He hadn't won a race over 400 miles. He's gotten over that hump. He's won guy wins every stage or something hadn't run that he won he got through that deal now he's he's won road course race and it wasn't really much of a a battle uh at at snoroma he really didn't have that much of a struggle honestly he led 57 of the 92 laps because they went to overtime uh, of course and Clyde led 13 laps, so that's 70 laps between two Hendrick cars. And of course, Chase Clyde has been the road course road course uh, king for a while now. Uh, his teammate has seemingly uh, pipped him at least for one race. Uh, Larson Elliott Truex, the top three. Truex is a three-time winner, of course. That snoroma drove through the field quickly but really couldn't do anything with the five car logano fourth after staying out on old tires using strategy there with paul wolf had worked out kyle bush fifth kurt bush from 30th finished sixth chastain from 29th after getting into some rg bargy finished seventh hamlin eighth bowman ninth brian blaney tenth other guys that went out there, Eric Jones got a top 15 finish, which is pretty good for that 43 team. Daniel Suarez, 12th. Dylan continues to actually do pretty well, considering what he is. Bubber Wallace was a lap down and basically buried. Came all the way back, finished 15th. Uh, you know, then there are some other guys. I mean, virtually, the what is it, 33 of the 37 cars were on the lead lap. So there is that. Uh, there's some guys that are involved to Rex. I mean, Newman had some issues. Uh, Alfredo had, was running much better than where he ended up finishing. McDowell ran, I think, tried to run Bowman and uh, Suarez. Daniel Suarez off the track and then got butthurt when both uh, Bowman and Suarez used him up because that's what he is. Um, he can't pray enough Hail Marys to make up for the fact that he's a hypocrite. Uh, Eric Almarola, horrendous season continues. He couldn't buy luck if he sold it a whole package of sold him the whole lot of freaking Smithfield bacon. Uh, you have Chris Bell ran up or much higher than where he ended up finishing. Harvick got destroyed in one of them wrecks there late. I think that was that Chastain deal. Forget who he, he got in a Corey LaJoy. Yeah. So stacking pennies, Maggot uh, was running top 10. And then I think uh, Ross Chastain ran over him. So he probably whining about that on his podcast. And so, yeah, uh, Larson won. That's basically what it was. I mean, I you wouldn't think of him as being like an elite road racer, but all of a sudden now you put him in Hendrick Motorsports car and, uh, at least for one for one day at Snoroma, he definitely does look like an elite road racer. And when you consider how many other road courses we have on the schedule coming up, it could be a bad sign for everybody. Is he the favorite? I guess Lee, whatever you're, you thought about the race, but then also is he now the favorite at three wins 
this year all these playoff points to try and win a championship after you know think about a year ago at this time he didn't have a job and now he could be the title favorite with 10 races to go in the regular season yeah for larson i mean we've never really considered him a great road course racer i mean i think he was a a good road course racer but certainly not a great one i mean he has the uh rolex 24 to his uh uh title uh, as well and but i mean of course that was with uh three other drivers and um, i think most of the work was with you know scott dixon and, and tony cut and back then uh with jamie mcmurray but then uh you know over the years he's done solid but you know not like anything uh, spectacular like this. And, you know, this, this one, he led, uh, 57 laps is dirt car number. So I guess, uh, that was a lucky one there, uh, and was able to, uh, basically control the entire race, led all the stages and won the race. So, uh, for Larson here, uh, I think, I don't know if he is the favorite because we've seen, uh, drivers get out like this before, but I think he's definitely one of the top three to be in consideration because i think last year you go back to how last year turned out we thought it was going to be a battle between harvick and denny hamlin and it was like that for the most of the year i think this year is probably going to be a battle between larson and probably martin Truex jr and then maybe uh another driver maybe uh denny hamlin if he figures out how to win eventually um so for for uh the season, I think you can definitely say that Larson is probably a a, a top three uh, contender uh, favorite uh, for the title. So uh, I wouldn't say he's the favorite, but definitely uh, up there. And I think uh, for the rest of the field, they should be concerned because it it is uh, tough to win. And now he's already got three wins to his name uh, as well with uh, Martin Truex, who also has three wins. So the guys at the bottom uh, who need a win to get in, it's uh, starting to get uh, tougher to win and they won't have as many chances and they'll have to get in on points or whatever. And it's uh, certainly going to change their strategies as they you know, try to get a, a spot into the top 16 uh, for the playoffs uh, later in the year. And we'll have to see how that turns out. But uh, I think for Hendrick overall, they've uh, they've had a, a few years where the last couple of years where they've been able to be really good on road courses and, and you know, have to credit them for what they've been able to do to turn around their program for where, where it was a few years ago. And then also uh, you talk about how they've been on road courses. Well, I think they've really benefited from their uh, road course program they have where they basically rent out uh, track ready stock cars to the general public, uh, whoever wants to, I guess, clientele whoever, who uh, would like to uh, race on tracks or uh, you know do testing or whatever. So I feel like they've probably uh, gotten uh, a lot of data acquisition through that. And we mentioned it before, but I think you continue to see the results of that program. And, you know, even then after the race, I saw an advertisement or um, a recommended post on, I think on Instagram from, from that program uh, that Hendrick runs uh, and they're advertising, Oh, you can race a car just like Kyle Larson did at Sonoma and go on a road course. So I think you have to really give uh, Hendrick a lot of credit for figuring out a way to, I guess, get around the rules and in that sense, being able to um, improve their road course program and improve their uh, program as a whole. And so I think uh, for Hendrick, I think uh, the rest of the teams have to watch out for how uh, the organization Hendrick is able to uh, progress uh, throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. It's convenient how they're able to go and use those track day vehicles 
and then they were going to throw the book or they tried to throw the book at Alex LeBay and the, the what do you call Mario Goslin team when they were going to go and use something that wasn't that was similar at the Daytona road course. Uh, it's convenient, but then it's NASCAR for you. Uh, we'll talk about the joke that is the all-star race later on. Uh, in terms of the points, you brought that up, Josh. And I mean, as it stands right now, the top 16 in points, McDowell, even though he's a douche, he's still in because he has a win. Uh, right now, if it was between McDowell and De Benedetto, it would actually be somewhat, there would be some level of intrigue, but it isn't. It's between Chris Busher and De Benedetto in terms of points. And he's got a 60-point lead. So as it stands right now, it's a very, it's a hard ask for anybody to make it on points outside of the top 16. Uh, you know, Hamlin hasn't won a race yet, or Harvick. You know, it, Harvick's struggling too. It's not like he's having a, this amazing year. Uh, but I mean, Mc. Bell and McDowell are only separated by nine points. Though neither of them are doing anything of great significance. Uh, but the uh, you know, Harvick's gonna make it. You know, Hamlin, of course, is gonna make it. The bonus point situation is kind of iffy for some of them. You know, the the what's it called? The playoff points have Larson at 26, Truex at 18, and Bowman at 10 with his two wins. Outside of that, there's a bunch of drivers that, you know, they have single-digit points. Logano's at eight. Byron Clyde are at six. Hamlin's at five. Bell, and then a lot, all these, anybody else who's at five is because they got the win. DiBurrito and Bubba have won, and Busher have all won stages. So the playoff point situation is also not uh, ideal for a lot of these guys. So if you're the likes of D. Benedetto, Kurt Busch, Stenhouse, Chastain. I mean, you start looking at these guys. I mean, D. Benedetto has never won a cup race. Ricky Stenhouse, oh, Richard, has not won a cup race in a while. Chastain's never won a cup race. Bob has never won a cup race. Suarez hasn't won a cup race. And now both those guys are with new teams. No Neck hasn't won a race since he, he since 2017. Um so I think that's what it is. Yeah, 2017. Priest, they're not even running the all-star open, supposedly, this weekend. They're in open cars. I don't give a crap. What did I, he's going to go run a modified at, at, at uh, I forget, some track uh, in uh, Oswego. I think he's going to run a mod at Oswego. So that tells you how much the all-star race really matters. Uh, Eric Jones won a race, I think, or... I think he won a race last year. I'm not sure. Chase Briscoe is ahead of his two teammates, but he's, of course, a rookie. Never won a cup race. Custer's won one. And then Al Marola hasn't won in a couple of years. So you look at those are all the guys that you would think are people that could possibly get in, but they all would need a win. That's basically where you're at. But when you consider who's ahead of them, it's a very hard <laughs> to see any of those guys really 
going and winning without having some strategy or some sort of crazy restart situation, kind of like what happened with Custard at Kentucky last year happening. I have a hard time believing that's going to happen. But there are road courses. You have Road America. You have Nashville Super Speedway. You have Indianapolis Road Course. You have two races at Pocono. Who knows? I mean, it's entirely possible. The the last 10 races of the regular season are kind of a hodgepodge of different racetracks. So there's any number of different ways this could go work out. Michigan, of course, will be the last, will be the next to last race before the cutoff. Daytona is the cutoff. So they're going to destroy a bunch of race cars. So you have the Glen, Loudon, Atlanta for a second race in the summer, in the middle of the day, uh, which is really logical in Atlanta. Uh, but hey, that's NBC for you. So, yes, we'll see, but it, it's hard to, I keep on saying it, if you just drink, if that's the word, uh, that would be, I would have said it a bunch of times, to go and see that actually really coming through. For any of those outside of the top 16 right now. AJ Allmendinger wins the Xfinity race at Mid-Ohio. BL Transport 170 beating the likes of Austin Sindrick. We'll go and bring up the results. Be ought to be professional, but be a professional. Uh, led 23 laps. One stage one, he gets the six playoff points on the uh, Haley won the other stage. So, uh, what is it? Matt Colleg, uh, Colleg Racing one two Ohio based Ohio team anyways. So he's from Ohio, so it's a big deal for them. Ty Gibbs finished third. Brockshot Jones fourth, probably his best finish of the year. Uh, Andy Lally finished fifth. So that was a good run for the sports car veteran. Brandon Brown, who has a funny uh, ad on social media now trying to get sponsorship, finished sixth. In that seventh, Josh Berry in a, I think his first road course race, maybe a second, I don't know, in in the Jordan Anderson 31, starting 31st, finished eighth. It's a big deal for Josh Berry. Ryan Sieg finished ninth, so actually a big day for him. He's had a brutal year. And Josh Williams finished 10th in the uh, Mario Goslin car. I failed to qualify a couple of weeks ago at Coda, so come back and now finish 10th uh, is pretty big. LeBay 11th, Hemrick 12th, Jade Buford 13th, Sindrick after starting on pole, getting Sage points in both stages. Leading the most laps, finished 14th. Herbst hit everything but the lottery, still finished 21st. And you have some other guys that scored some stage points. Allgaier had issues, uh, finished 35th. Uh, what is it? Uh, Gagson got into a first lap accident, so he didn't even get to finish a lap. So um, credit yeah, to him. Zero points and zero laps. Yeah, yeah. So he's uh, that's a good accomplishment for him. Tommy Joe Martin's blew an engine seven laps in. There was an accident for Harrison Burton. 
So the gaps in regards to the points are are expanding in regards to that. But AJ Allmendinger trying to insert himself in as a possible title contender. I mean, really, it's Austin Sindrick and everybody else. But fact is, AJ Allmendinger, all the experience he has, at some point you would think it's going to come to come to use or be in good use. Maybe it's this year. Yeah, I mean, Almendinger is able to get the win here at Mid-Ohio, uh, a bit of a comeback, and took a, a penalty going to the rear of the field uh, uh, because the I guess the pit stop rules for this race, but uh, they exceeded there. They didn't take 50 seconds on pit road uh, for uh, the rules uh, for that race, which I guess is a, a new thing. But uh, now uh, with a lot of road courses coming up for Xfinity as well, uh, it's a one in the bag, I guess, for, for Almendinger. He's got two wins now. Sindrick has three, and both of them really good on the road courses. So we may see something like a Lewis versus Max battle that we see right now in Formula One with uh, Almendinger and with uh, Austin Sindrick as uh, they battle each other, trying to uh, be the best of the regular season going into the playoffs. Uh, you know, of course, still, still a long season. They can't use up everything, but it's going to be an interesting storyline as we uh, see throughout the rest of the year, um, or at least throughout the rest of the regular season as we go to places like uh, Road America, Indianapolis Road Course, um, even the Daytona um uh, final uh, race at, at at the uh, at the oval. So uh, a lot of a lot of craziness, uh, just like in Cup, and it's going to be interesting to uh, see how, how it plays out. Uh, and if they're going to have a thing where they trade wins, I guess one one wins uh, versus the other, uh, you know, alternating weeks or something like that. So uh, that that's going to be something to pay attention to. Um, but for this race, uh, Cindric, I guess, you know, he had an opportunity to win and ended up finishing uh, 14th and, and, uh, you know, he was, I guess, you know, he spun out, uh, going into the corner at, at the keyhole. So, uh, missed opportunity for Cindric to at least capitalize on the good run, but Almondinger is able to uh, get the win and, and, uh, this championship battle in Xfinity gets uh, a little bit more interesting. Yeah, the points, I mean, it's a similar to to the Cup Series with the huge gap, but when it comes to the points itself, I mean, Allmendinger is second. He only he has one less top five and two less top tens than Cindric, uh, along with the one less win, but the average finish is basically three and a half. So you're giving up three and a half points a race over. So that's, that's at least, you know, 50 points and you're he's behind by by 96 overall playoff point situation he has 13 points Sindrick has 20 so not that bad in that situation and they'll get extra points for where they finish in based on I think the top three get them Hemrick is third Burton fourth or Harrison is fourth Jeb is fifth in the case of that, Jeb Burton has a win. Haley got a waiver. He's sixth. He's only run 12 of the 13 races. Allgaier is uh, seventh. Uh, we could tell how weak this series is right now. I mean, that's about 40, what is it, 42 points between third and seventh. And one of the guys didn't even run one of the races. 
Ruckshot Jones has got a 17.4 average finish, and he's eighth in points. Uh, Jeremy Clements is ninth. He had electrical problems at Mid-Ohio, or else he probably could have passed Brandon Jones there. Or I think he was ahead of Brandon Jones, and that top five finish for him actually allowed him to get past Jeremy Clements. The, uh, you know, Annette, 10th. Then you have Gagson is 11th. And then Myatt Snyder is 12th. So the fact that Gagson, he has four top fives and five top tens, average finish of 20.8, and he's still in the playoffs. That tells you how bad this series is. Uh, Brandon Brown right now is 12, was a 15 points behind uh, Noah Gregson. I think it looks like for the cutoff uh, in regards to like that's a playoff. I have to go and look at that. So that's a. I was looking for the playoff point situation there. So Cindric you know. is uh, first with twenty playoff points. Yeah. And uh, Almendinger is thirteenth uh, or second with thirteen playoff points. And then uh, Allgaier, Ty Gibbs, who's not even running the full year, but is ranked fifteenth overall. Uh, both have eleven. Then Josh Berry with six, Hemmerich with five, and then. Um, Burton with five, Snyder. They all have, yeah, my center has five playoff points, interestingly enough. Um, yeah, because of his win. Yeah. yeah. And then Haley. Yeah. And then Haley, uh, three points, uh, Gagson, Gregson, two. And then Burton and uh, Harrison Jones or, or Brandon Jones with uh, each with one playoff point um, there. But, you know, this, yeah, this is a little bit more interesting playoff field, but definitely uh, with the average finishes, uh, and in the top 12, uh, a lot of variance uh, with some of these drivers. And it's definitely a little bit weaker, but uh, even with, you know, a guy like Noah Gregson, who's had a pretty poor year overall, but they're still able to be uh, relatively close in terms of making it into the playoffs. So, I mean, you can't completely count them out, uh, especially later in the year, if, you know, they figure something out once they get to the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. That's something that we'll have to see. As the season comes on, will will that coquette actually put it together uh, and actually learn how to drive, win a race? Considering the guys that used to drive the nine car would win races and championships, and he brings a lot of great uh, maggot energy, but he doesn't win a whole hell of a lot or do much of anything except be a douche. Uh, but right now he's in a position where he could possibly get knocked out by freaking Brandon Brown uh Riley Herbst of course being Riley Herbst he sucks cock literally and figuratively that team won nine races with the same crew chief and a lot of the same people there and now they might not even make the playoffs uh that's pretty embarrassing you could say oh well some of it wasn't his fault he's gotten into other people's stuff but it's like dude like really how the hell are you that bad uh, but then, you know, it's been proven before he drove that Joe Gibbs Arca car, couldn't win any, he won one race in that car, and literally Ty Gibbs jumps into it and he wins every freaking time he gets into it. So there is that. Uh, what is it? We have the roundup for this week. Plenty of different racing series to discuss the uh MotoGP, 
took place last week at Barcelona, Catalonia. We'll go into the results there. The Catalan Grand Prix. Miguel Oliveira for KTM gets his second career win over Johan Zarco and Jack Miller. World champion Joanne Mir finished fourth. Maverick Vinales fifth. Fabio Quattararo sixth. The points leader. Paco Bagnaia finished seventh. Brad Binder eighth. Franco Morbidelli ninth. And Enea Bastaini finished tenth. Uh, no points or DNF for Valentino Rossi. DNF for Mark Marquez. Crash, both of them. Uh, the two... You know, KTM uh, riders for not the Tech 3 team were crashed out. Both of the Repsol Hondas crashed out. So pretty brutal uh, day there. In terms of the standings, Quattararo has a 14-point lead on Zarco and the was a 25-point lead on Jack Miller. Bagnaya is two points behind his teammate. Mir is in fifth with 78, which is three points above Vinales. Miguel Oliveira's win leaps him up to seventh. Ali Shaspargro, Brad Binder, Franco Morbidelli is your top 10. In regards to the Moto2 race, Remy Gardner on the same weekend that he got announced that he'll be going to MotoGP next year goes and gets the win. Over Raul Fernandez and Javi Vieje. Marco Bisecki finished fourth over again Augusto Fernandez. Ben Snyder, Sam Lowe's in seventh, Marcel Schroeder in eighth, and Chantra ninth. Then Joe Roberts, the American, finished tenth. Jorge Navarro, Albert Arenas, eleventh and twelfth. Tom Luthi, the ageless Tom Luthi, finished fifteenth. Cameron Bobier finished nineteenth. So uh, struggle here in the standings. Remy Gardner has an 11-point lead over Raul Fernandez. It's basically a battle between those two guys. Basecki is 38 points behind in third. Lowe's, Fabio D. Antonio is fifth. Joe Roberts is 10 points behind D. Antonio and 25 behind Sam Lowe's for fourth. Uh, Schroeder, Vieje. Ogura and Aaron Kinnett round out the top 10. Bobier is still 15th in points. He's four points behind Jorge Navarro and 10 points behind Tony Arbolino. And Moto3, Sergio Garcia on a gas gas. Yeah, no, that's a regular name. Yeah, looking through some of these other people. Yeah, it's whatever. Oh, Adrian Fernandez too. So we have Sergio Garcia and an Adrian Fernandez. That's convenient. Oh, and that guy's name Ricardo Rossi. It was almost Ricardo Rossit, and that would have been Ricardo Tossit. But uh, for those people who remember old Formula One drivers, it sucked. The F2 at Baku saw in race one, saw Robert Schwartzman finally get over the horrendous luck he's had so far this year gets a win over Dick Tantrum Juan Yu Zhou 
Jahan Deruvula and Teo Porcher, the top five. In race two, Yuri Vips over Beckman. Deruvula was third. And Bent Viscal Schwartzman. And Lawson, Piastri, Porcher. So it sounds like a F3 race from last year. And Sonny, the the one thing that came up during the weekend was Dolata, the idiot who speeds on the highway and videotapes it, was in the way, kind of like uh, Egghead, but he's even worse than Egghead. But they allow him to drive, so it tells you where Form- Formula 2 is. Vips gets two out of three. Then Piastri and Schwartzman ran out the podium. Drogovic, Boshong, Liam Lawson, Deruvalo's seventh in the third race of the weekend. So Guan Yu Zhou now has a three-point lead over Oscar Piastri, 12 over Robert Schwartzman. Yuri Vips is 15 points behind after getting two wins in the weekend at uh, Baku. And Dan Tictum is fifth. Deruvala is behind Teo Porcher by two points there in serve sixth and seventh. Lawson, Drogovic, and Boshong is your top 10. The IMSA and Indy Lights this weekend. So Indy Lights, of course, is back this year um, after taking a year off. Field is a little stronger, mostly like an Andretti Autosport kind of benefit in regards to Indy Lights. But still, you know, they have, and they have, uh, other cars, so let me get over here. David Malukas right now leads over Linus Lundquist and Kyle Kirkwood. Yeah, Malukas has three wins on the year. Lundquist has two. And Kirkwood is third. Toby Sowery, Alex Peroni in fifth. Devlin DeFrancesco. And you have Robert McGinnis, Stingray Rob, one of the greatest names ever. Uh, so they have 13 cars. They'll be at Detroit. Hopefully the cars can stay functional because it is Detroit. Uh, the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship will be at Detroit as well. Uh, Zach Veach will not be racing. He got he tested uh, positive for COVID, unfortunately. And Townsend so Bell. Townsend Bell. Him. Will be racing along with announcing, so he'll won't be a complete windbag, though he'll probably scream about whatever the hell he'll scream well at least twelve times. Uh, that'll be Saturday evening, the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Trying to get into it's the same thing as the last time. Trying to go and figure out who. IMSA's Indy Light. Trying to go over there. But trying to figure out something here. Uh, Detroit entry list. How about that? That'd be nice. Uh, six days, 20 cars. Okay. 20 cars on the entry list. So that will be the the six DPIs 
of uh, the Cadillac Chip Ganassi team of Randrazanda, Magnuson, Vautier and Duval, the Mustang Sampling Cadillac, Ricky Taylor and Philippe Albuquerque and the Conoco Minolta Acura coming off the win at Mid-Ohio, Felipe Nazar and Pippo Durrani in the Whalen Engineering Cadillac, Oliver Jarvis and Harry Tinknell in the Mazda, Multimatic Mazda, Dane Cameron, Olivier Pla in the Meyer Shank, Sirius XM Auto Nation Acura, the two GT Le Mans uh, Corvettes, so no uh, Porsche WeatherTech Porsche this week for Cooper McNeil. Then they'll have the GT Daytona field, which will have Brian Sellers, Madison Snow, and the Paul Miller Racing Lamborghini, uh, Frankie Manticalvo, Montecalvo and Townsend Bell filling in for Zach Veach, Vassar Sullivan Lexus, Aaron Tielitz, Jack Hawksworth, and the other Vassar Sullivan Lexus, and Misha Goikberg. And uh, as it stands over there, TBD's Italian. That's interesting. I don't know who that who will be in the second driver there for the Grasser Lamborghini. Roman DeAngelis and Ross Gunn in the Art of Racing, Aston Martin, Daniel Morad, Michael DiCasada, and the Allegra Motorsports Mercedes, Richard Hindstand, and Jeff Westfall in the Carbon with Peregrine Racing Audi, uh, Mark Miller with TBD as his teammate for the Gradient Racing Acura, Kenny Habel, and Mikhail Grenier in the Sun Energy Mercedes, which will probably be in the way. Compass Racing Acura for Jeff Kingsley, Mario Farnbacher. Then you have Rob Ferriol, Catherine Legg in the Hardpoint Porsche, Bill Oberlin, Robbie Foley in the Turner Motorsports BMW. That'll be a small field, but it'll be having the DPIs out there. They'll have a lot of traffic to deal with. It's a tight, tight circuit there at Detroit. So having to deal with traffic and possibilities of getting contact and the whole bit world Superbikes will be at misano this weekend the so that's after what is it they've ran it oh, i think moto gp was there and then now world Superbikes at misano coming up here in a couple days time the standings after a couple of races jonathan ray trying to go for yet another world championship he has a 35-point lead over Toprak Rasagulu, and a, he has a one-point lead over Redding. And third, Alex Lowe's Chaz Davies round out the top five. Garrett Gerloff is in sixth. We'll see if Garrett Gerloff can finally uh, get up uh, onto get a second place, get a win, possibly break through this Jonathan Ray domination. It would be nice be at least different then you have world endurance championship at uh, portugal the algarve here this coming weekend they announced uh you know they announced ferrari what is it ferrari announced with af corsa for their lmh program there's some other you know deals like toyota is going to get a bop uh, uh adjustment so that'll hopefully help with the competitiveness, but doubt it. Uh, in regards to the 
was it schedule then then you have fp1 so let's do the same thing so the world endurance championship well the as it stands it shows the glickenhaus uh prototype will be in this race uh there'll be so there'll be four uh hyper cars with the two toyotas which are hybrid then the alpine uh, number 36 and then the glickenhaus which will be number 709 with former ford teammates ryan briscoe and richard westbrook along with roman dumas uh you got the toyotas of course are conway kobayashi and jose maria lopez and the one and then buemi kazuki nakajima brendan hartley lmp2 has the three women in the number one richard mill a number with tatiana calderon sofia flourish and beske visser then you have the high class number 20 with jan magnuson dragon speed the american team with henrik hedman Juan Pablo Monterio and Ben Hanley, United Autosport with Philip Hansen, Fabio Schreer, and Paul DeResta. Sean Galeal is driving in the LMP2 category with Stoffel Van Dorn, Tom Blomquist. The racing team Netherland, which there was rumors that they're going to come to America to run LMP2 full time next year. They have Job Van Oetert, Guido Vandergaard, a former Formula One driver. Robert Frein's there. He's got the Formula E experience. Fernand Habsburg uh, in Europol. What is it? Louis Delatraz, Alex Brundle, Joe Sport, Roberto Gonzalez, Antonio Felix da Costa, Anthony Davidson. That's a good dream there. And then, yeah, so then you have four, four GT Pro cars, which is the two Ferraris and two Porsches. Then you have what is it? Fourteen uh, AM cars for a total of thirty-three in the field for this weekend's race at Portimao. Then the Snetterton BTCC race. They have. I think they've only ran the uh, Senna Proctor. That's a great name. Uh, going in schedule. So they've only run one round so far. It was Thruxton. So Snatterton's second race of the year. Then they'll be running Brands Hatch in a couple of weeks' time. The standing so far. Um, it doesn't look like they have the standings. So that's convenient. But the they'll be running at Snatterton there. And you can bring that up. Why don't I do that? As it stands right now, the driver standings all standings. See Jay Kill leading by one point over Josh Cook. Jason Plato, who's like a hundred years old, is in third. Ash Sutton fourth. Dan Camish fifth. Tom Ingram. Sixth multi-time champion Colin Turkington, seventh Dan Robottom, 
great name. Eighth, Tom Oliphant and Jack Goff. That's inconvenient. Uh, tenth, <laughs> That's a and, fake name. <laughs> and uh, Gordon Shedden, former champion in 11th. Aiden Moffitt, 12th. There's some great names in this series, I got to say. Sam Smelt. Steven Jelly, he's been around for a few years. Um, Nick Hamilton racing this year. Again, Glenn Getty, Rick Parfit, Andy Neat's been around there. So, manufacturers, constructors, you have yeah, the Ford team, then you have BMW and Toyota teams, BTN, oh no, no, no shit. Uh, Josh Cook is considered, oh, so Cook, Plato, Sutton, Camish, Ingram are all considered in the independence, so that's Something Aeon Flux with Powermax Racing. That's their Adrian Flux. That's the hold. Or that's a Holden or I'm not holding a Vauxhall team now. Hmm. Um, bad year tires because they changed the Dunlops to bad years. So there you go. Went through all of that. Now we'll, after getting through all that information and not learning from the mistakes of having to get all those entry lists because there's so many of them. We'll get into the SRX preview. They'll be racing six consecutive Saturdays on CBS. A lot of drivers that, if you're thinking about 2005, were relevant. Um, I mean, I, I say that, and Tony Stewart runs the thing, and he's one of my heroes, and he's one of my favorite drivers of all time. But... If you told me this was like the IROC series in 2005, which is basically what it, it is. It is IROC uh, with goofy-looking cars made by Ray Evernham. Ray Evernham using this as an opportunity to go and hit on Danica Patrick and Haley Deegan, amongst other people, maybe even Lindsay Zarniak, even though she's older and already married and has two kids. Uh, you know, the cars, we'll see how they race. They'll be running Stafford in Connecticut this weekend. Then they'll be running two dirt tracks back to back. It'll be Knoxville raceway before we see the trucks race there. Um, then you'll have Eldora speedway, which is Tony's track. After that, you will have uh, Lucas oil raceway, IRP slinger in Wisconsin, where so many great uh, drivers have come from the likes of Dick trickle, of course, being one of the great ones. A lot of ASA guys, of course, Matt Kenseth, Kowicki, you know, Rusty Wallace, Mark, Mark Martin. Martin, Mike Eddy, Scott Hansen, John Benson Jr., et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Like, think about ASA. That's basically, you know, that's over there. And then Nashville Fairgrounds will be the final race. The uh drivers that are full full season drivers will be smoke antoine canon willie t ribs uh the what I, I don't even want to say his name he has no neck his head's like he's orange he's just basically a moron um the thrill from west hill is his nickname Elio Castro Dash Neves, most recently known for winning his fourth Indy 500. So, yeah, he is actually relevant. Bobby Labani, uh, 
Bill Elliott, Ernie Francis Jr., which I hope this series and this going on for six weeks will actually get him some PR and some sponsorship because dude can actually drive a race car. Uh, we talk about, you know, people of color not really getting the kind of rep or, or support that they deserve. He's one of those guys, really, honestly. He's really quiet and soft-spoken, but he does all his talking with his right foot. And I think being under the wing of Willie T, hopefully Ernie Francis, I mean, even though he's a Trans Am guy, he's a road racing guy, maybe running these races will help him out in his transition to go to open wheels. Uh, you have Michael Waltrip and then Marco Andretti and a lot of these guys. I mean, at the end of the day, the person, the people I'm looking forward to are Willie T and Ernie Francis and, of course, Smoke. You would assume that just based on pure recent success, Alio's the favorite, not just because of what he did a couple of weeks ago, but because he's won a sports car championship last year. Tony Kanaan hasn't really been relevant in a long time. Uh, Tracy hasn't been relevant in a long time. You know, Willie T, of course, his best days were in the 80s. That's literally... You know, you look at Marco and Ernie weren't around back then. Then you have Bobby Labonte and Bill Elliott, whose best days were back in like 2000, early 2000s, the last time they were relevant. Uh, and then, I mean, whatever, with Waltrip and Andretti, I don't know how they got in there. And then this weekend, Doug Kobe will be running Stafford, the multi-time NASCAR modified tour uh, champion will be at the all-star, the star car. So that'll be an interesting thing to see New York. Oh, oh, that's what that, oh, that's what it is. I see New York Saints after six, yeah, try to headshot after, huh. interesting. That's convenient. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on the uh, SRX, basically, like the new IROC of sorts? Uh, what we're what what to expect this Saturday and over the next six weeks, really, in regards to racing or and the production? Sean McManus has already come out, the CBS Sports CEO or whatever, and said that this isn't about getting additional racing entities. Which for people who are thinking IndyCar might move there. That isn't, at least theoretically right now, not going to be the case, but I still think it's in play. Um, what else? What are you looking at in regards to the SRX? Well, yeah, I have to agree with you there that, yeah, you look at it face value. The driver uh, list is basically from 2005. These guys are all relevant. Some of them still relevant today, like you said, but yeah, it's like, IROC immediately throwing back to 2005. I mean, they may as well uh, film this thing in uh, letterbox format and, uh, you know, low quality. I mean, let's uh, complete the throwback there. But no, uh, the the series is going to be really interesting uh, with the mix of uh, dirt tracks and uh, famous short tracks around the, the um, you know, the country. And, you know, I think it's going to be a good test of some of these drivers, like, you know, Helio and, and Tony Kanaan, you know, they're both 
IndyCar drivers and, you know, they race on high speed ovals and some short ovals, but, you know, they never really raced on dirt tracks before. Um, you know, they've never been to Slinger or Stafford or any of these places. And so I'm curious to see how they do. Um, what's Willie going to do? Is he going to, uh, be up front competing for wins or is, you know, going to be towards the back, uh, you know, because of his age or whatever, um, you know, not quite maybe race fitness, I guess, as some of the other guys, uh, but I mean, he, he can still wheel it though. And of course I think, you know, the guy that's probably going to do the best is probably going to be Helio and probably Tony Stewart. I feel like, you know, they've done a lot of practice, uh, you know, Tony stays in a good amount of shape as far as being able to be a race car driver, you know, physically may not uh, be so much as Helio, but, you know, Helio is able to still win the uh, Indy 500 and uh, win the WeatherTech uh, championship last year in IMSA. So they're, they're both, uh, really good, uh, still, uh, compared to some of these other guys. Um, and then of course, you know, we're going to have Greg Biffle, uh, uh, Doug Kobe guys that have, uh, been, uh, pretty good over the years, Greg Biffle, you know, of course, uh, champion in the Bush series champion in trucks. And then Kobe's been a, uh, excellent driver in the modifieds. Uh, but, the race format, I think you have to also bring up as well that the races are, you know, going to be 90 minutes, no pit stops, but they'll have a, a halftime break for adjustments. And then they're basically going to uh, set the field with uh, 15 minute heat races of uh, two of them. And then uh, the final lap starts when uh, the uh, time runs out and then the leader crosses the start finish line. Uh, that's going to be interesting. Um, it's almost kind of like a, a cart race, I guess, if you go to like one of those, uh, rental cart race tracks where either gas or electric, and it's basically like, you know, 15 minute time race. And I mean, it, it's kind of like that in a way, but of course the final lap is going to be once the time runs out and then, you know, the leader crosses the line after that time runs out. But, uh, this is a interesting series for sure. Um, and I, I think the, the car, the, the way that they've designed it with, uh, Ray Evernham being able to design the car. Um, it's a almost unconventional. I mean, they're running a wing car, but, uh, I'm looking forward to being able to see like, uh, how close they can race together. Um, is it going to be something where, you know, drivers can race side by side and pass each other throughout the race and not just, uh, you know, after a restart or at the beginning of the race. So, um, really interested in the series and glad it's going to be on CBS, uh, it's going to maybe expose people to the, um, the sport and, uh, be able to, uh, you know, uh, see some of the legends of the sport and maybe get interested in it, um, and be able to start following some of the, the regular series that we talk about on this show. And we'll cover it on the GSP over the next six weeks and see who stands out. Talk about the TV coverage. Cause you're going to have Alan Bestwick and Matt Yoakum uh, back uh, covering racing. Uh, of course, Fox decided to send Matt Yoakum to pasture uh, for whatever reason, uh, but then they keep losers like Regan Smith and Jamie Little around and Vince Welsh. Uh, and Alan Bestwick, of course, who's been calling random football games and basketball games and tennis recently uh, back where he truly belongs Colin racing. You know, you're going to have Brad Doherty doing a little work there. You're going to have Dario Franchitti, James Hinchcliffe, who looks more like an announcer and less of a racer as we go by every week. 
you know, Miss Hummer is going to be there. You're going to have Lindsay Zarniak, who made her name with the, on the racing side of things with TNT and then ESPN uh, for many years. Uh, she covered, of course, she's a Washington, D.C. Uh, sports person. Uh, initially did the George Michael sports machine. Um, when somebody I found hot, she's a MILF. Um, she's uh, with Craig Melvin, who does the Today Show. So they, and they have two kids together. So that she's coming out of kind of like a hibernation of sorts. So she's been working for Fox, I think, on the sideline recently for football. So uh, doing racing again for her too. That's cool. So they have a very good, unique group of uh, announcers. I think it's fresh. It's different. I think being in a 90-minute format in the summer on a Saturday night is nice. Uh, it's a positive thing. Hopefully weather... I don't know what the weather is. Hopefully it cooperates and everything. They can run all these races um, or else they're going to have to get the drop button ready because Willie T is going to say crazy crap because he's Willie T. Um, he's already been saying crazy crap in these press pre-race uh, press conferences and stuff like that. He's bringing all the personality because there sure as hell ain't a whole lot after that. Um, while Tracy's a lot of talk, but, you know, He's like 250 pounds and he has no neck and he's a maggot sympathizing douche. Um, Tony's trying to keep it lay low now that, you know, he's got all these different entities going on. And of course, banging out Leah, uh, that also probably makes him a little more muted. And then after that, most of the rest of them aren't really big talkers of sorts. So it all makes sense. We'll see what happens, though, this weekend. From the Camping World SRX, we will go to the IndyCar doubleheader at uh, Detroit, one of the crappier racetracks that exists in all the world. Um, they'll be uh, running uh, the doubleheader as they have for many years at uh, Detroit. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Alex Pillow is going to have a grid penalty, so that's going to be brutal for him in regards to trying to win or compete for wins. Uh, six places were for the first of the Detroit Grand Prix. As a current points leader, that's pretty tough, but you know he has the opportunity to recover or possibly do something in both races, uh, 70 laps each. Uh, the Not a huge turnaround time between the first and second races, so it's pretty tough on the drivers or on the teams, especially. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, in recent years, I kind of should do that. We could go and look at it that way. In recent years at Detroit, since this uh, doubleheader kind of format has been in existence, we've had varying drivers win. Um, you know, of course, Alia is not going to be there, but you know, Scott Dixon won uh, New Garden, and Dixon won in 2019, the last time they held this race. Uh, Dixon Hunter Ray in 2018, Reem Rehall won both races in 2017, in 2016, Bourdais and Will Power. 2015, Carlos Minos and Sebastian Bourdais. 
And then uh, 2014 was Power and Elio Castro Neves. So Pagino, Conway won for Dale Coyne, I think that was. Dixon, Wilson, and uh, the late Justin Wilson, 2008 and 2007, it was Antoine Canan. So as it stands, of course, Scott Dixon, you see there, it's what, three wins for him. Then uh, you have... Hunter Ray's won there once. Bourdais won there a couple times. And, yeah, there's Powers won there a couple times. Green Rehall. So there's a lot of guys that have won there. There's a lot of opportunity if you can qualify well. Uh, who do you look at, Josh, as, as favorites and maybe some wild cards for this weekend? Yeah, I think this weekend, you know, when you mentioned Alex Pelot, uh is going to have that six-spot uh, grid penalty because uh, of the engine change they made after Carb Day um, at the Indy 500. And, you know, you talk about that. Uh, I think if, if he's able to qualify uh, up front and he's got a good car, I would look out for him because, uh, uh, you know, it's, it makes the grid penalty makes it easier to uh, come back from if you qualify up front, obviously. But um, I think... He's won at uh, the Grand Prix of Alabama uh, and has had a pretty good season overall and is the overall points leader. Uh, so I'd look out for him. Uh, Colton Herta, I think, is another favorite. And also, you know, count, count out uh, Scott Dixon there uh, is uh, the Iceman. But uh, I think overall, I would put the favorite as probably Colton Herta. Uh, he's been uh, really dominant at uh street courses uh so far this year i mean it's only been one street race and that was at uh, st petersburg and uh almost led the entire uh race uh wire to wire so uh both races uh on sunday and on saturday uh, i look at a uh, colton herd as being a favorite and you know i think if you go by recent history or you know history in general i mean scott dixon can't be counted out as well uh in this race but uh, I think also you talk about the rookies, like I'd like to see uh, what Romain Grosjean does. Uh, he's had a pretty solid season overall uh, on the road course schedule. And then of course, Jimmy Johnson uh, is back in the, uh, the Indy car after almost like a month away from it. And it's now his first uh, Indy car doubleheader. And we'll have to see uh, how he's able to adapt uh, to not only the Indy car being a doubleheader, but also racing at Detroit and is a very bumpy racetrack and uh street course. So, uh, with the conditions that are there, it's important for him to be able to have the endurance to last uh, throughout the weekend, which he's going to be able to do. And I think last year with NASCAR having double hitters and, you know, racing Bush series and uh cup, uh, back to back on, you know, days, I think it's definitely going to help him, uh, be prepared uh, to make that run uh, on Saturday and then uh, again on Sunday. And of course, uh, Scott McLaughlin uh, is going to be his second uh, street course race uh, in IndyCar after St. Pete. And, uh, you know, he didn't have the best Indy 500. So uh, would like to see what, what happens to him uh, and, and how he's able to approach this weekend uh, in, in IndyCar. And of course, he's the only four full-time rookie uh, in the series. So, uh, he's got a, a lot of, a lot of challenges, uh, with, uh, his, uh, first double hitter, uh, in IndyCar as well. Yeah. A lot to take in there at Detroit. I, I agree with you with Colton Hurd. I mean, when you consider some of the bad luck he's had this year relative to the kind of pace he's shown, he has been up there all year 
but you know he's had he has one win of course but you know it's at St. Pete but otherwise he's had a lot of bad luck you know I think Simon Pagino at some point it, it has to come through for him I mean if he could qualify worth a lick it would probably be easier but uh, I would think that he would be somebody to look at uh, Reen SVK after the Indy Grand Prix I think is somebody that would be an interesting uh, choice. I think Connor Daly would be a wild card of sorts. Graham Ray Hall, they're going to be running three cars this weekend with Root Beer Floathead in a third car and a Cheetos car, which makes sense because he likes Cheeto Lini. Uh, yeah, McLaughlin made his bones in a lot of ways in V8s and at uh, street course races. So. That doesn't theoretically translate, but of course, you know, you can bang wheels, you can do your thing like that. I mean, you look through Rossi right now is 15th in points. What is he going to do? What can he do? Bordet's 18th, Ron Hunter is 17th. Connor Daly, of course, last uh, couple of races have been pretty. I mean, he got screwed at Indy Road Course when he had a great qualifying run. Uh, you know, Rosenquist is 20th in points. I mean, that's pretty pretty bad. Um, Grosjean is running every race, of course. Ed Jones is. So is Hinch. They're both buried with Kellett. And then all these other drivers that are... I mean, Johnson hasn't won every race, but he's run the majority of them. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's the... Hopefully for Johnson, the time off and experiencing Indy gets him back in that mode. Of course, I think fitness wise, he'll be one of the best. He'll be one of the best in position to make it through if he can keep the pace and all that. It's asking a lot, uh, but we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I would be curious to see what Alexander Rossi can do. Uh, you know, after what has been a horrendous period of time with uh, luck and all that if he can put something together and get a win again it would be positive for him and for the uh, 27 car that would be a good um, you know be a good deal for them the texas triple header get into the uh, first, before we get into the all-star, finish with the all-star race, we'll talk about Xfinity and the truck series, uh, Xfinity series, or actually we'll start with trucks right now, who cares? Uh, the Cometic Gasket Pole, SpeedyCash.com 400 uh, will be John Hunter Nemechek. There's, what is it, 36 trucks. Uh, Sicarelli said he wasn't going to run no more, but he still is running, so that's convenient. Uh, Josh Berry will be in the field driving the Rackley Roofing 25 because uh, they let go uh, Timothy Peters. And you'll have uh, you know, a, that other dead weight there. Jordan Anderson will be in the field. Um, you have Jennifer Olcob and a Ford will still be a piece of shit. Uh, Brennan Poole randomly coming back. Yeah. Chastain will be in the 45 truck. So that'll be interesting coming from the back with Dawson Cram, former guest of the show. You know, Chase Elliott will be 
in the 24 truck. So no Kyle Busch, but you will have Chase Elliott. You will have Ross Chastain in this field, along with, of course, John Hunter Nemechek, who's basically a pseudo-cup driver himself. Uh, Hosevar will be starting. It'll be Nemechek, Rhodes, Hosevar, Gilland, Hill, then Friesen, Smith, Zane Smith, Chandler Smith, Derek Krause, Drew Dollar, top 10, Ankrum, Deegan, um, that jackass in the 22, Ryan Truex, Matt Crafton, Sheldon Creed, defending series champion in 16th. Grant Enfinger running the 98 truck will be in 18th. So I guess um, I'll start with you, Josh, um, and then I'll make my picks as uh, for your winner, uh, Dark Horse. And I guess there could we could do like a separate segment in regards to the cup regular because I feel like a cup regular is going to win, but that's my pick. But I'll say that in a minute. How about you? Yeah, I think you know for this race, uh, I mean it's another mile and a half track. I think John Hunter Nemechek is the obvious favorite. He's done pretty well at the mile and a half track, as we've discussed uh, over the course of this season, and he's. Definitely, I think, the favorite for this race. And I think uh, probably a dark horse in this uh, event. Uh, I mean, it's tough to say, but yeah, Carson Hosevar, uh, you know, he's uh, been up there. He's had a couple of top fives and top tens. Uh, and right now is in 10th place in the standings. But he's been pretty impressive as of late. So I'm going to go. I still think he's a little bit of a dark horse. Uh, but certainly rising up there. So I'm going to go with him as a dark horse. And then I think the cup favorite is probably Chase Elliott. He's you know the most accomplished driver in the field by far. And I definitely would expect him to be probably the main challenger uh, to uh, John Hunter Nemechek. Of course, he is uh, going to be uh, in the back of the field or in the middle of the field. So he's got a little bit of work to do to get up there to get with uh, John Hermanitacek. Of course, they'll plan the strategy around the stages and they'll be able to get up there by the end of the second stage or probably even before that uh, with the way that the, the trucks are and uh, get up there and challenge uh, John Hunter for uh, the lead throughout the race. Yeah, I'm going to go and pick Clyde uh, to win. Uh, I, I figure John Hunter will be up there. The Kyle Busch Motorsports Toyotas will have their say. I think Gilland has that momentum from uh, Coda from a few weeks ago. Getting that victory is a big deal for him. That organization, uh, the uh, I mean, but you look at in recent races, like Sheldon Creed, of course, getting that win at Darlington also kind of puts him in in play. But track position isn't in his favor after uh, Charlotte. Uh, in regards to the point standings, or who's a driver that I would say could be a dark horse? I mean, it, Hosevar is like right on the edge because basically he is in the playoff right now. Uh, I mean, Enfinger, in, in theory, actually, he is in the playoff because Enfinger hasn't run all all the races. And so that's kind of a bummer for Enfinger, of course, the same way with, like, Josh Berry. 
but then that's going to kind of go away here in a few weeks when they put Sam Mayer in a car anyway. Uh, dark horse pick for this race. I think I would go and say, I'm going to say Derek Krauss. Why am I going to say Derek Krauss? I figure it's a dice roll. It's not like we're putting anything on it anyway. They've made a crew chief change here recently uh, on that team, same way as like what they're doing at the 21 team and cup. They made a crew chief change because of how bad they've been running this year. So that's something to see um, how that'll all work out. Uh, doing it at the all-star race is a convenient time. Kind of wish the 14 car would do the same thing, uh, but they won't. So I don't know. That's that's a separate topic. I guess I'm going and uh, you know, digressing into something else there. Uh, I think uh, you have some other drivers. I mean, I think those are the drivers there. You have to look at. Also, you want to look at the 45 truck. Uh, with talking about Carson Hosovar, of course, they've basically decided to limit the amount of trucks they're running out of what is it the nice team which is probably something they should have been thinking about a couple of years ago anyway uh but now having chastain in that truck coming back from running the cup series all year running in really good not great but whatever good equipment and then getting back in an east truck it'll definitely help them uh with in regards to host of ours, like playoff uh, situation, and maybe it'll help Truex or whoever the hell else they have driving for them. The Xfinity series, we'll see. Uh, they'll have their race on um, on Saturday evening. That will be the uh, Alsco uniforms two fifty, which will have. The Kyle Busch will be in that race, and we'll see who else there. Only two cars fail to qualify. Matt Jaskels in the 61. Uh, Ronnie Bassett Jr., Stephen Parnell. Jordan Anderson will actually be in the field. Gagson will be starting 30th. Barry will be starting 28th. You have... Jeremy Clements in 20th, Brett Moff in 19th. Kyle Busch will be starting 14th there. The top 10, Allmendinger and Haley on the front row. Brock Schott and Sindrick, row two. Hemrick and Annette, row three. Brandon Brown, Jeb Burton, row four. Ryan C. Galax Bay, row five. Josh Williams, Herbst, row six. Buford and Kyle Busch in row seven. Allgaier, 16th. Uh, Burton, Harrison Burton, 18th. So, I guess it goes, I'll go and pick. I'll pick Kyle Busch. I might as well. He's now got his momentum back and everything. And he's driving an Xfinity race. And so, yeah, I think for the betterment of society, it would be good that he wins this race because it's one run closer to him never racing an Xfinity car again. Uh, that's what I'll say on that. In regards to a dark horse pick, I'll I'll go and say Ryan Sieg. He's had 
a little bit more momentum in recent weeks. Uh, tire, I mean, tire strategy aside, I think he's trying to angle. He knows he needs to get a win to get into this playoff, even with as bad as the playoff field is. He needs a win to get in, so it would be wouldn't be out of the realm considering he's driving a Ford uh, that they could go and put something together. They've had a few months to kind of science out these cars and Cowboy Star on that whole group, try to figure out some of them cars. Maybe they start putting it together here at Texas this weekend. How about you, Josh? So I think for Xfinity, uh, looking back at kind of last year and how uh, Texas played out in this series, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Austin Sindrick. Uh, this was the track that kind of kick-started his uh, run or helped kick-start his run to eventually winning the title. I mean, I mean, even though he didn't actually win the race last year, it was Kyle Busch. Uh, he still uh, technically won uh, based off the ruling last year. So uh, I'm going to go with Austin Sindrick as the winner. And then I think a, a wild card or you know, a dark horse, uh, I'm going to go with Jade Buford. Uh, you know, he hasn't really, you know, finished top 10 or anything like that. But uh, as of late, seems like he's starting to kind of get uh, a top 20 finish uh, the last couple of races in the series. So would like to see uh, what kind of work he's able to do uh, this weekend. If, you know, you can get within like that top 15 range, you know, 10th and 15 range. I think that's definitely a, a doable uh result for uh for a team like that and a driver like that someone's relatively unknown and uh definitely on a, a small team there uh and you know i think kyle bush he's starting 14th uh, it's definitely going to be up there uh but i think he's going to have a pretty tough challenge uh with uh uh Cindric and albendinger uh throughout the race yeah it makes sense i mean Cindric's been the best car all year probably feels like he's left some opportunities out on the table uh, so he would want to actually beat Kyle Busch on merit, but I have a hard time believing that will actually happen. But, hey, we'll see what happens on Saturday evening. We'll finish out tonight's uh, program with uh, the uh, all-star farce at Texas, which will take place on Sunday night for whatever reason. Uh, the Open will precede the uh, all-star race itself. The lineup, there will be 22 cars in the open. Three cars will advance through winning stages, and then a fan vote will decide the last car. That'll mean looks like 21 cars in the all-star race you know, this year, which is, seems like a lot relative to how many drivers really should be in it anyway. There should be some exclusivity to it, uh, but, you know, that's – that's beside the point. That's for another discussion for another day. Tyler Reddick, Chris Busher, they set it by owner points. So Reddick and Busher are in the playoff right now. So they're on the front row. Dee Benedetto with the new crew chief. O. Richard, row two. Chastain and Bubba Wallace, row three. Bubba Wallace, who probably could use a new crew chief. Uh, Suarez, Eric Jones, row four. Chase Briscoe could use a new crew chief. Eric Almirola, they should just probably swap them. Stacking pennies, fast pasta, row six. Uh, one of the worst drivers I've ever seen in the history of the world. And James Davison in row seven. Balicki, Austin Sindrick running the All-Star Open. 
uh, in his ever-increasing schedule of races that he's running than the um than a lot of the deadweight cars you have the cody Ware. i mean bj mcclaude at least he's not a complete waste of time he's not a dick either haley in the 77 smithley who doesn't know what a mirror is and then the carl long cars of timmy hill and david star uh david star hopefully will park with that i guess you'll I'll start, or you can start, Josh, and who do you think advances and who gets the fan vote uh, out of this basic, out of this open? It's one of the weaker open fields in a long time, honestly. Yeah, it does show you the depth of the series, though. But I think, yeah, the Tyler Reddick gets the first stage. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Chris Brocher winning the second stage there, and then I guess the last stage or whatever, uh, I'm going to go with uh, our good old friend, uh, Ricky Stenhouse, a.k.a. O. Richard. And then fan vote, uh, I'm going to go with Bubba Wallace winning the fan vote. Um, uh, it's I don't know what to say about Texas. I mean, we know what it is. It's only 35 laps in the open, uh, but it's uh, going to probably be strung out there. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I kind of concur with your picks. I figure Reddick makes it through. He's run better in some ways and what some of his results show busher has been punching above his weight and i think that's just been his entire career i feel like both of those guys belong in the all-star race based on what they've been doing this year um so that's you know those are two guys i think the third driver that advances and i i, I like the o richard pick i honestly think that that's a solid one i'm gonna go uh go a little um off line i'm gonna go with uh suarez nacho libre that 99 car has been good at different racetracks this year for a brand new organization if you compare it to what they theoretically were taking over they theoretically took over the 13 equipment from the rcr or whatever uh, system they were the customer team and that team with Travis Mack, whatever you have, um, I'm forgetting the guy. Uh, t- um, the there, the guy that's running the team is uh, the guy from DEI. Or Ty Norris. The Ty Norris. I mean, you have so many big pieces there. You have Justin Marks, and of course Pitbull. The whole thing like that. There's a lot of juice there. I think it would be a big deal for Suarez to advance on merit. He has won an open stage and gotten into the all-star race before uh bubba's of course done that too uh it's not out of the realm i feel like one of those two wins on merit and gets into this all-star race um in this case i think suarez just based on the general uh performance of that organization so far this year uh the fan vote you pick bubba i'm gonna be a homer and i'm gonna pick chase briscoe I uh, figure it's not going to be, you know, because they have pace. Maybe he goes out there and they finally show pace for the first time all year. I don't know. Uh, but he has run well at Texas before. Uh, was it Harvick's in the race? Cold Custard is in the race. Uh, I think uh, Harvick ran, has run well recently at Texas in general. Uh, so maybe they put something into that to try to get 
uh, Briscoe in as long as he doesn't get destroyed, which is entirely possible because it's basically a one groove shithole. It'd be nice to have uh, a driver to root for generally like one of my favorite driver to root for in the all-star race because it's going to suck anyway, um, which will lead into that. The air quote random draw air quote uh, saw young money get the pull in Kyle Bush and uh, in the front row conveniently. And uh, after what Kyle Larson did in the 600, I'm not so sure. Why wouldn't you just do it the other way around? Wouldn't it be more entertaining to have the two guys that are the most, bring the most intrigue start and tailback? If you're going to, like, it's supposed to be intriguing. There's like 86 stages, all this stuff. Why not? Instead of having Kyle Larson up front, you know he's going to basically take off. He's going to win the first stage for sure. Uh, I guess the question is, can he go and continue the streak of wins since he seems to be winning in anything and everything? He's running the dirt late model dream tonight uh, at Eldora and running sprints. He's been, you know, you, you think he jumps into whatever the hell because that's what he is. Uh, what is it? Let me go back here. So 17 cars right now. Larson, Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, Austin Dillon, Chase Elliott, Logano, Byron, Keselowski, Truex, the top 10. McDowell, Harvick, Kurt Busch, Newman, Bowman, Hamlin, and Blaney. Excuse me. I think Kurt Busch and Newman are in based on the, uh, whatchamacall, yeah, 50, oh, 50 total laps, 2020, 10. I'm trying to see the eligibility. I'm trying to remember the eligibility, how, who gets, they used to have that on here. I'm trying to see who got in, how, or whatever. All-star entry list. That's not, I don't need the entry list. I'm trying to figure out who the hell because I'm not even trying to explain the, all the the format of the race itself. Uh, that's a joke. Um, oh man, do you is there is there some? Do you know if there's anywhere, Josh, where they show how they got into the race? They used to have that on JSKI, honestly. Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I I can. I mean, we know. Yeah, based I mean, on who won, won last year. Yeah, Brad yeah. Brad won last year, of course. He's never won the All-Star race. Dylan won at Texas last year. Harvick has won both. He's won a trillion races, and he's won the All-Star race. Larson has won the All-Star race, and, of course, he's the most recent cup winner. Nonak hasn't won in a few years. He's a former winner of the All-Star race. Clyde's the defending winner of the All-Star race at Bristol. Hamlin... I don't remember if he's won the all-star race before, but of course, you know, Hamlin Blaney's never won the all-star race, but of course he's won at Atlanta earlier this year. Kyle Busch is Kyle Busch. Truex. I don't know if he's won the all-star race. Uh, Bell, of course, hasn't won the all-star race. Um, Logano. I'm forgetting if he has 2016. Oh, he won in 2016. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Byron. He's been in the all-star race. I think every year. 
of his career. This will be Michael McDowell's first start, I believe, in the All-Star race. Custer, this is his second, and Bowman is his third. So that is that. So, I mean, I guess I at this point, you, you, you get into that and you go and talk about uh, who's who's who, what do you – who do you figure is going to go and take this one off? I, I, I mean, if you pick against, if you're picking against freaking Kyle Larson at this point, it's kind of not in your favor. Uh, he has the pole. The last time they were on a cookie cutter racetrack, he led 320 something laps. Uh, he basically has been out of the lead for two races. If you go back to like Dover, he had a car to win there. I mean, there's been other races this year. The best car on a cookie cutter racetrack this year has been the five car. So I'll pick Larson. I think in regards to a uh, person that based on the convoluted nature of this, of this race, I think the person that I think could go and sneak by and get uh, a, a win here in the all-star race. I think it's Joey Logano because it's not because of the general performance of Penske. I think it's more the fact of Paul Wolf and being able to figure out the machinations of all these stupid stages and how they're doing all these inverts, how you're able to line yourself up when it matters most. And if you get track position, with basically five uh, restrictor plate set up where you basically have, if you have clean air, you're God, you're going to be a God. I think uh, Logano is that guy uh, that could possibly go and sneak through and break the party up for either a Hendrick or a Gibbs car. Uh, what are you thinking, Josh? Well, I would like to say I, pick Kyle Larson to win all the stages and just take home the million dollars. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think he'll probably win uh, the first two or three stages. Definitely. But I think uh, the overall race, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Martin Truex. Uh, I, they've been the, the other best team this year. And I think they've got a good enough uh, driver and team Uh James Small is definitely a, uh, one of the better crew chiefs in the garage and knows how to uh, put together a good strategy and good setup. So I'm going to go with Truex winning the race itself. Uh, I mean, as far as the other stages, I don't know. Um, Kyle Larson definitely win a couple of them, but uh, it, it's uh, tough to say with the way this thing is going to go. But uh, definitely Truex, uh, I, I don't know who else could compete. I mean, besides him and Larson there, but uh, it's going to be an interesting race with six uh, convoluted stages there. Yeah, I'm just going through. I was able to go and find on racing reference in regards to winners of the All-Star race. Of course, Harvick's won it twice. Kurt Busch, he won it in the Miller Light car, I think a decade ago, a little more than a decade ago. Kyle Busch has won it once. No neck in 2002. McMurray, that was like 2010, I believe. Uh, or, yeah, one of those years. Logano once. Larson uh, advancing out of the open. I think he won that race. Elliott last year and 
Denny Hamlin is a former winner of the All-Star Race, so there you go. Uh, there are other drivers in regards to and the average finish. Bubba Wallace has the best of active drivers. He has the best average finish of anyone because he's made one All-Star Race and he finished in the fifth position at the one time he made it after getting through the open, winning his stage and knocking out the left side of the car, right side of the car. Larson second with Logano, Elliott, and Harvick. So, then Daniel Suarez actually is a, so we'll see about that. I don't know. I'm looking forward more to the open than I am the actual race, the big race itself. But because I have a day off uh, on Monday, I'm not really as, uh, Worried about it. I'm going to go and watch it either way at the VFW. All right. So we will close tonight's uh, Gripster podcast. Uh, we thank you for listening. Uh, Josh, since you are we're, are still in the mode of moving to your new place, we're unable to get into the sim segment. But I figure as you get settled, you will be doing more of that here during the summer and with some of the downtime that will be coming along with some of these series. So um, where can we follow you in regards to your socials? Where can we follow you to go and watch uh, your streaming of iRacing and other gaming? Yeah. I mean, of course with uh, uh, social media also, you know, you can follow on uh, Twitter uh, at JP Huffine on uh, Twitter. And then of course the iRacing streams will have any other video games. Uh, that'll be up on uh, Twitch. Uh, dot com slash or twitch.tv slash uh or two go watch that on there you know just have i mean whatever i racing i feel like doing you know it's going to be a lot of indie car stuff and probably you know a lot of uh nascar 1987 maybe some cup here here and there uh maybe some mx5 you know the miatas and uh some other stuff like that so uh definitely go check that out and see see my racing on there and uh uh, follow and comment and uh, all that stuff and uh, try to try to build this up you know as part of part of the deal here you know we're trying to get things going so uh, definitely go uh, follow me on there all right definitely follow josh on uh, his twitter and of course with the twitch stream uh, he does a great job behind the wheel better than i i know that i could for sure, but he has more experience and got the system, got the whole bit, but he's way calmer than I could ever be. So credit to that. And uh, thanks as always, man, for being my trusty sidekick. Uh, and for let's do, for doing this. What now we're at 64 episodes here. A year ago was just a kernel of a thought. And now we're at 64 episodes. It's a big deal. Uh, finally got, things together got enough time to go and edit them post a bunch of them the Derek Pernasiglio episode where he basically was able to provide the knowledge and put a blessing on us the same way as Mario blessed Elio at the end uh, in the post race during the Indy 500 uh Derek Pernasiglio went and dropped the knowledge on us so that episode 61's out there last two episodes as well uh hopefully because of my a little bit more time that I'm going to have will be able to get this episode out. You can find it on my Twitter handle at Philip G. Matthew. You can find the Grip Strip Pod on Twitter at Grip Strip Pod. You can also find the 
show on philipgmatthew.com, WordPress. Um, we're on Podbean. You can find the Gripshire podcast on um, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, um, Pandora, and then um, we'll... I also uh, I'm a co-host on Talking Circles, Clayton Caldwell. I will see when that show comes back on. Uh, Clayton and his wife, uh, they just had their first child. So, um, of course, congrats to them. And uh, recently, so they're still taking time trying to figure out everything with that. I'm, pro, I'm a contributor on the Formula One Grid Talk podcast. Uh, George Housen, former guest of the show. And uh, his website, Sportlight Pro, um, when I get off my ass and I actually have time, I'm able to write uh, for them. But it's been a while trying to go and get through that. And um, we'll see about all that. And uh, with that, we will uh, say thank you for listening to Gripshire Podcast. Uh, thanks to you, Josh. And thanks to you, listeners. Um, like, subscribe, the whole bit. You know, leave whatever positive comments. Uh, even if you don't like it, I really don't give a fuck. Um, it doesn't really matter if you don't like it uh, because I'm still going to do it. We're still going to do this show. And when you consider some of the other people at podcasts, quite frankly, we're not hurting anybody. Uh, we probably are one of the only places that actually tells the truth that exists in society today. So with that, take care of one another. Um, go and Try to stay vigilant and cognizant of things as things start to open up and try to, you know, be good to who matters to you most as much as anything, whether you've got other things going on, whatever. Just take care of yourself and who matters to you most and keep your head down, keep grinding because things will turn around. That's what I believe. You know, keep it simple and uh, things will be will go the right way. With that, say God bless and good night.